Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously to run and pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is Eric Myron. Eric is also known as Dad Bod. He's a performance artist. He's a singer. If you follow me on social media, I may have done a reel with one of his tunes. He's also an actor. He and I met on set. We have a film together coming out. We got to act together in a scene. It was so much fun. It's called Armchair Traveler, and it's coming out, fingers crossed, hopefully soon. Oh, he has an incredible story to tell. As soon as I met this guy, we were up sitting in our little, like, I don't know, green room. I was like, I have to have this guy on my podcast. He is absolutely fabulous. He's so talented at everything he does, and he has such a wonderful, creative career and passions and enthusiasm for life. And he's a hella talented actor. Please enjoy Eric Dadbod Myron. now. Pressure's on. (laughs) You know what I realized this morning when I was getting my ritual ready? (laughs) You are the first person that I've talked to on my podcast who I've filmed a scene with for an actual project. No way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's like a milestone. I think so. I know so. I I mean, there's people I've talked to that I've been in like an acting class with or like I've been in a play with. But I was like, Eric's the first person who I've been in a legitimate scene on a movie set together. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Tell me your story. How in the blue blazes did you get in? How how did you get to the film set that you and I got to be on together? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's a long story. Um. Well, it, it all started back in 1985. Uh, no, no. Um, it was a cold yeah, was, and was, rainy day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it just, it's um, getting into acting, I guess you're asking, is just how, how, how I started. Yeah, or even just, yeah, just the story yeah. of, yeah, your creativity, because you have a lot of really interesting stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I taught, I was, a, I was a music teacher for 10 years in elementary schools. So I, I went to the university for music and acting, and I really enjoyed acting, but I didn't want to do any acting. I was like, oh, I'm too nervous. I can't get on stage. Are you kidding me? I'm just going to, I'm just going to watch, learn the craft, see how it's done, and then, you know, sit back. I don't want to do it. Um, so then I kind of figured, oh, well, I guess I'm not really an actor. I'm more of a, I'm a teacher. Those who can't do, they teach. So I'm going to go and teach. Um, I did that for 10 years. And I didn't do a lot of teaching. Like I didn't do a lot of drama teaching. It was more music. Um, but there was always something in the back of my mind that was like, yeah, like you want to do this, go, go try out, go try out. So I did some, some background stuff for Letterkenny a few times. I really enjoyed it. And then I did, um, an actual part in a French movie called LA Switch or La Switch. Um, and in it, I had to get beat up by, uh, Francois Arnaud, who was the lead in that movie. And I had to do like the stunt training for a day. And I was like, this is amazing. Like I went to a gym and the whole day I just like rolled around and got choked out and learned how to fall. And I was like... This is great. So I um I did that film the next day. I went and shot that, and I loved it. Even though I I actually I poked the lead in the eye, like getting ready for the scene, we we're practicing, and I put my hand out, and I didn't do it right, and I got him right in the eye with my thumb, and he freaked out, and I was like, oh no, I'm gonna get fired right here. I'm done. Um, but it all went well, and then he kind of roughed me up pretty good. I had like scrapes on my face and stuff too because we were so into it, but it turned out awesome. And uh, and then I just loved it. I was like, I need to do more of this, but not background stuff. I want to be in the mix, you know? I don't want to just sit there and wait and then go be in the background. Um, and then nothing happened for a while. And then finally I got a, a job on a um, – it was an animated feature film. And uh, I, I played a, a guy named Jude who just went through a breakup. And I had just went through a breakup. And I was just like – I was really enjoying the process of making this. I went to the studio and um, – and we, we did all the dialogue for that and the ADR for that. And I, I was like, this is fantastic. I love this. I got paid really good money for it. And uh, that was it. I was like, okay, I need to get into Actra. And then I started auditioning and I got an agent and ended up with Armchair Traveler, which is really, really fun. My first big, probably my biggest role. Um, and then we got to work together, which was awesome. 
yeah, that was it. That's and now, you know, just audition. I haven't auditioned in a while, but I'm uh, hoping to get something else. I'm writing a script because I'd like to, again, I, I want to take it up a notch. Like I've, I've been like a day player and I've done little scenes back like here and there, but I want to be a lead and I want to have like an actual uh, project that I'm kind of creating and working on and, and um, having a hand in telling that story, I guess. So, yeah, that's kind of my journey. Take me back to when you were in your university studying music and acting and you weren't keen on the acting part. What changed? Tell me more about that. Okay, so I think when when I was so I, I mentioned I had taught for ten years. When I was when I was in um my teaching profession, I'd given up on acting because of that. Like I felt nervous. I felt like I, I wasn't very confident. And I think that's why I got into teaching initially is because I wasn't ready to like go out into the real world. I wanted to stay where I felt safe, which was in school where I'd been for all this time. Um, and when I was, when I was 29, my grandpa died and I was really close with him. And when it happened, it was like this, this shock, this awakening of like, whoa, like life, people die. Like you die, you, you're going to die, dude. And then it just kind of like hit me. And at the same time, I had my first daughter who was born, uh, with a cleft palate and it's something called Piero Bain sequence. Um, so the whole pregnancy was great. We were like, this is going to be fantastic. We're going to be parents. And then this happened. It was such a shock. And then two weeks later, my grandpa died. And it was like the entire universe was like sending me this message of like, life is short. Like anything can happen. What do you want to do with your life? And then I always felt like acting was something I wanted to do in movies. I didn't want to be on stage. That to me is petrifying. I don't know how people do it. I would, I, I would forget my lines. Like you saw me, I probably forgot a million lines when we were shooting. Um, so finally, I just, I just, I told myself like, if you want to do this, go and do it. Don't, don't wait in regret. Regret's the worst. I don't want to be eighty five thinking like, oh man, I should have tried that. Like no, no, do it. And if I fall on my face and I fail, at least I could say that I tried it. Um, and luckily, you know, and then I decided, okay, I'll do background stuff for Letterkenny. And from there, it kind of snowballed, like I said, but that was it. I think my grandpa passing and my daughter being born with that, which is not a big deal. Like it was, she had a palate repair. She doesn't have that sequence as bad as other children have had it. Um, so she's fine. Everything's fine. You know, knock on wood, we're all happy. Everyone's happy. But at that moment, being a 28 year old man, but really I was still a kid, a 29 year old kid. Um, it was kind of like a, the world shook and I was like, okay, wow, I'm awake now. I need to, now I got to do this. I'm not going to live forever. Things aren't just going to fall in my lap. I have to go out and work for it. I have to go and try things and uh, get uncomfortable and challenge myself. And, and that's what I've been doing ever since. It's been about seven years now, eight years. My daughter's eight. So, yeah. That's true for a, lo- a lot of people, I think. And it's funny, I was chatting with someone yesterday who we were talking about sitcom tropes. And he was like, isn't it funny how, like, in every sitcom, the characters who are in their late 20s, early 30s, what makes them funny is the fact that their life is falling apart. And 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 it's funny because I'm like, yeah, that's like the nexus for my entire podcast <laughs> is there's there's something that happens and it happens at a lot of different stages in people's life. And it doesn't have to be some huge thing. But sometimes it is a huge thing that you were saying just shakes the very fiber of who we are. Because I think a lot of us, especially here in Canada, don't have a lot of like shaking that can happen. And so when it does, it's very startling if you kind of catch my drift. We're, we're very lucky in Canada where things are not, they're easy. Life is easy, relatively easy for us here. And like totally get it because if you if we were to live in another country somewhere like a third world country or in South America or something like trauma and these crazy things that are going on around us happened all the time here in Canada we're we're kind of lucky everything's easy we just get up we go to work you know and especially us like being white people in Canada we're like we hit the jackpot like nothing's nothing's hard relatively to everyone else so it's it's easy for us to fall into this comfortable lifestyle where it's like, well, I go to work and I get my, I make my minimum wage and I buy my quad and I have my house and I have my camp and my trailer. And, and it's, it's fine if that's what you want. But for me, it was like, I can't do that. That's not going to be enough for my soul. Like, it'll just, it'll tear me apart. And I didn't really know what it was, if it was music or acting. I just knew that like doing something like that was calling me. And at that point, when that, when I was shaken, 
the voice that was calling me got real loud. It was like, hey, do it. Go. So, yeah. Were you always pretty creative growing up? And was there a positive pressure to keep being creative growing up? Or did you get subjected, as a lot of us did, to the well-meaning but negative pressure saying, yeah, you're talented, but maybe go do something more stable? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I always thought, and I think that was it. I think I thought I was creative, but I think everyone around me is like, yeah, that's great, but... Like, you know, you're not like that special creative, you know what I mean? Not in those words, but that's almost a sentiment. And they were trying to be nice about it. But, um, and I can remember as a kid, I used to like, I had this old guitar. I didn't know how to play, but I would just like do patterns with the, the open strings. And I would play these little tunes for my mom. And she'd be like, oh, great, great job. And I remember loving it. But there was never a push to like, let's put them in guitar. Let's. It was just kind of like, cool, you do that. That's great. But where we live and where we are, that's not really a future or possibility. Like, I, I live in Sudbury. In northern Ontario, especially back when we were kids, there was no arts out here. There was really nothing. It was kind of just like you work in the mines and, you know, or that's it. Or you, you know, you, you teach the, the people, the, the kids or the people that work in the mine or you serve the people that work in the mine. Like, that's kind of we're in a mining town, right? Um, so, my, my family was always, like, super supportive of what I, what I was doing. But it was always like, it's a hobby. And that's kind of what it's going to be. And when I was 15, I started a band and and I loved it. And we did that for like, I think nine years we were in that band. And throughout that entire time, I would spend countless, like Saturday mornings, I remember I would get up and spend the entire day from like 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. in my room with a guitar trying to write these songs. And I was a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember my parents would come up, my mom would come up and see how I was doing. I'd show her these songs and she was always like, oh, they're really cool. But it was never enough to be like, yeah, yeah, follow this. And thinking back, I thought like, well, man, if my kid was in a room for eight hours, you know, 10 hours a day writing a song, I think I would clue in. But back then, I think it was just more of like, don't don't give them the false hope of thinking this is a possibility because it's not. Nobody Nobody gets to do that. Only the special lucky people get to do that. And as I grew up and got older, I started thinking like, well, it's definitely not going to happen if I don't at least try to do it. Like, I can't just sit back and be like, well, maybe I'll be special one day. Like, no, dude, go out, get better, write a million songs, get really good at it, be in a million movies, get really good at it and fail a lot. And then maybe, maybe you'll have the chance to make it your career. You know, you said, you said, you know, be in a million movies, make a million songs, but fail a lot. And I think for a lot of people, that is terrifying right? The failure is terrifying. And so that would be the thing that would say, I just don't even want to try because there is the potential of failure. And I think in, in, in the entertainment industry, it's not just a potential. It is like, it will happen, <laughs> you know? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. That's the word. How do yeah. you push through that? Or is that even the right word to describe who you are as a person? How do you mindset your way through that? It's kind of been like a gradual thing. I, I get that. I get the idea of like, I don't want to fail. Why even try? Like, I don't want to, it's too embarrassing. It's too hard. Um, but when I was kind of shaken awake, I think there was something inside of me that was like, just do it. Who cares? Just try it. Um, and I started reading this book by David Goggins. Do you know who David Goggins? So he's like an ultra marathon runner, but he, before that he was a Navy SEAL and he'd been through a ton of stuff and his book can't hurt me is kind of his story and how he went from being um, a cockroach exterminator to being a Navy SEAL. And and it was just a, a matter of just like hardening his mind and like strengthening his mind and not being, you know, being okay with like falling on your face and then switching it in your brain and changing that mindset of like, at least I did it. That person couldn't do it. I win, you know, and that's not necessarily how I look at it, but the way that he kind of would do these mind tricks on himself where he would if he did something and he failed at it, he would think, well, I, I still did more than the person that wanted it, another person that wanted it. I actually took the step. So that's a W. Now I could take that W and put it towards the next endeavor. And the more I do that, the more I fail, the more I can switch that and make it look like I won and then take that W and add it to my to my cookie jar of wins. And then that'll build my confidence. So he tried to make every failure a win. And that's what I've kind of done over the years is like when I fail, I think back and I go like, okay, well... What if I hadn't done it? Is it still a win? Like, where's the silver lining here? 
because there's always some silver lining. You can kind of find that. You just got to switch your perspective. So I've kind of been doing that. And at first it was tough, but now I fail and I just like, I feel like shit and I obviously feel bad and I hate myself at the time. Like when we were working on armchair, there were some days when I'm like, I screwed the pooch on this scene. Like I don't feel good about it, but I I would tell myself like, okay, you maybe you didn't do well on this scene, but this entire movie, there are moments in here that you, you, you felt good about it. Lead with that, you know, make that the thing you think about when you're feeling crappy about yourself. Don't worry about the negative. They're always going to be there. Worry about the positive. And the fact that you got to do this movie is, is incredible. So just focus on that. And, you know, it's easier said than done, obviously, but it's something that I'm constantly trying to, to do. As an aside, I felt very similar in when we were filming that movie because like there was a time like I was there I was met I blanked on my lines and I had like five right <laughs> like it's not like I had many and I remember there was this time when I was like oh I'm sorry Rebecca I'm sorry Rebecca the director I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry who's a friend of mine right and she was like it's okay like Janet we're just getting coverage and I don't know what, I don't know what coverage means. Like, I, I don't know what that means. I didn't go to theater school. So I was like, okay. And then I remember driving back to my hotel with Trish and being like, I screwed the pooch. Like you said, I was like, I'm here for a day. I have five lines and I screwed it up. I'm so sorry. And Trish was like, so, and I'm like, I didn't even know what coverage was. She's like, Janet, this is the place. And the people that you're allowed to not know around. She's like, you're, you're, like, yeah, not allowed to like, you know, set the set on fire. But she's like, the, this is the place where you're among good supportive people where you can learn that stuff. And I think like you and I both being pretty new to this industry can be terrifying. And that sensation of I screwed this up and we go into the negative, negative, negative immediately and forget about the positive stuff that happened. But I never thought about that. Like some of these kind of building blocks of our career, like this wonderful movie we were part of, like these are the people where we can learn some of the stuff because they're they're so nice. Well, that, yeah, especially that project. Everyone was amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. I didn't know what coverage was either going in. I didn't know. <laughs> now I know, thankfully. But it, but actually, one thing that I was working on before that, the, the animated um, movie that I had done, I couldn't get the singing portion right. And and the director was like, try this, try that. And I wasn't hitting it. And when I left, I was so like you, like you, you're just so like hard on yourself. Like, fuck, I couldn't give them what they wanted. But then you people told me like this is editing. This is like a, a business of editing. Like what you gave them is fine. They'll find a way to make it work. That's what that's why they're so prepared. Like they have the coverage and they have the shots that they need. They can edit. Don't worry about it. But as an actor and as like an artist, you want you want to please people. I don't know about you, but I want the director to be like great job, great job every time. I want validation steady. And like you realize too, it's like, well, no, you can't have that. You go in, make yourself happy, do the fucking work, get it done. Can I swear on yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, do the work, do it the most you can do, and then leave it there. And if you if you don't get validation, whatever, it is what it is. But it's so hard not to. It's so hard. You make one mistake, you're like, I'm going to dwell on this all day. I'm just going to think about this all day. It's going to mess everything up for the day. Like, ah, the curse of acting. I know. And it's interesting because I think when... You know, if I've worked on a bigger project, even just as background, you know, watching some of the bigger name actors and then being like, oh, look, they mess lines up, too. And they just kind of go, oh, sorry. And they do it again. And I'm like, oh, good. They're just actors. They're just like the rest of us. But then I think to myself, I have not earned the ability to mess up my lines yet on set. Right? Like, I'm not that celebrity status to be like, sorry, everyone around me, I messed up my lines. And they go, it's okay, Janet. No, I haven't earned that yet. So that's when I feel even more guilty. Because I'm like, no, no, who are, who am I? I'm just this little day player coming in. How I have not earned the status to screw up yet. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I know what you mean, 100%. Yeah. Because you, then you feel like I've now single-handedly have messed up this entire shot or this entire like moment 
and maybe the other actor was into it and they were having a breakthrough or they were feeling like things were working and and then you just kind of snap everyone out of course yeah but then if you think about it from the other perspective because that's how i try to think about it those actors that are big they had there's so much more riding on them like the money that the money that's been put into this production everything rides on their performance so if they have a bad performance that show could suffer so it's almost like I try to tell myself that, like, okay, you're just a small guy. You're just a small player. What's one little line that you messed up? You don't have an entire production riding on your back, you know, which hopefully one day that's the case. But so those are little mind games I tell myself. It doesn't work, obviously, but it's something at least I'm trying to tell myself. It's part of the training, I think, right? Which is funny because it's so personal. So I think about, like, the training to become pretty much any other career, right? You know, I trained as a to be a doctor. You can teach anyone how to do that, right? Like, here's the science textbook. Learn it. Science is science. Where this is like training your, like, soul and who you are as a human and your emotions and everything. Like, it's so... And how to tap in. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Oh, my... It's... Yeah. And to be vulnerable in front of all those people... And not be afraid to make a mistake, even though you're petrified to make a mistake. And like, it's just, and then being okay with like falling on your face in front of all these people. And maybe it'll be good. They might say that was perfect. And you're like, oh, fuck, I feel like I didn't do well, but it it works. Like, yeah, it's, you got to do it, I guess. You can't just, you can't walk in and say, oh, I, I've got my theory down. I'm good. No, get in front of the camera. Let's see if the camera likes you. Cause the camera can see through all your bullshit. Like it's, it's, yeah. I, I, I saw an interview with Shia LaBeouf and he was saying how he had to like learn to love the camera and then that made the camera love him. There was this weird like relationship he had to have with the camera and he learned as a kid, obviously with even Stevens, but a, the camera will pick up a lot more than we think. And it's about that comfortable, that feeling comfortable in front of it and knowing like that lights on, like you're there. People are looking up your nostrils, you know, but you just got to forget and just be like, yeah, just I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, but the way he had mentioned it, I was like, wow, that's really, that's interesting. It's a weird yeah. kind of awareness of being solely with you and your scene partner, right? Like trying to forget the world around you, but also being cognizant of the world around you because there you're, you're not the center of this little universe. Like there's all these other crew around that you have to be aware of. It's a weird, balancey thing. It's a bizarre, yeah. bizarre, surreal world. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially when they're like, okay, you got to hit your mark here. So like you got to walk here, stop here, talk, turn this way, make sure your face is this way, look over here. Now be natural and give me a moment. It's like, oh. And now so, cry. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find that something there and just let it all out. Like, okay. But that's why they make the big bucks, the good ones. They make all that, the big money. So take me through kind of this, the steps that you've done to build your career. I mean, for someone who doesn't, didn't go to like traditional theater school or traditional film school, how did you learn what to do to build to learn? you know, how the camera works, but also the business side of this. Well, I, well, I kind of, like, I knew a little bit about it because, like, I had taken a, a major, I had taken a degree in fine arts, so I studied music, and then I did study the acting, like, how to do it and, like, the craft of it, and a little bit of stage, how that all works. Um, I didn't know much about film, and, and I just kind of, like, asked questions, and at first I was so green, like, I would go and be background, and I, I would sit there quietly and just, like, look around and try to soak in whatever I could. Um but I, I had friends in the acting community that I had went to school with who were starting to jump in and do stuff. And I would always just kind of ask them questions and they would fill me in. And then if ever I got to a point where I was like, I don't know what's, what to do here. I don't know what my next step is. I have a buddy named Richard Barlow. I don't know. You met Richard. He yeah. was on the armchair. Yeah. Richard was already in there and he was doing a lot of big things. And I would just kind of be like, what, what, what's the next step logically? What should I do? And he would kind of point me in the right direction. So I think it's just talking to people, like just making connections was my biggest thing and just asking questions. And that was always hard for me. Like, I, I'm not one to like, I'm kind of a shy person. I don't really go out and chat with people. 
but I've been forcing myself like, okay, you got to take these, you have to go and talk. You have to go and ask questions. If you want to know this business, you got to know the business, like go and find out, you know, and there's no rule book or anything. Like you can't really just go read up on the film industry. You have to kind of just do it and like learn on the fly. Like go, go, go. This is how it works. Okay. Okay. You know? Um, yeah, that's kind of how I, I think that was the question. I'm sorry. I might've not actually answered it. No, absolutely. Okay. You did. Do you notice any similarities between your, not just your career in teaching and acting, but also the music that you're involved in even now, right? Anything that you're pulling from all these experiences you've had now into your acting career? Um, Yeah, I think for me, it's it's always been about storytelling. I think even whether it's music or or acting, I've always like really loved the idea of of telling a perspective or telling a story from a certain perspective and like different perspectives than normally. Like I don't know about you, but I'm like a huge um, Game of Thrones fan, and the new series. It's the same thing. It's not the same, but it's it's the same the world, but the perspective is so different. The brutality is in the in this new one is. It's there, but it's there's some love behind it, and it brings a new perspective. So I always like the idea of like telling stories in different ways. Maybe they're stories we've already heard, but trying to find different ways to to tell those stories. Um, so I try to put that in my music. I try to write my my lyrics from the perspective of a character, and, and you know, um, I'm not sure how much that applies to teaching because you know, with teaching, it, it was just like here's how to play an instrument, here's a clarinet, this is how you put your mouth, here's how you put your fingers. Let's try to get through this next 75 minutes here without, you know, having a headache. Um, but be, and that might be why I left teaching because behind that, all I ever wanted to do is just tell these stories and, and um, do it in a different way that hasn't really been done before, I guess. Do you have any advice for anyone who's interested in starting to tell more stories or starting to do some acting? If you want to do it and if you, I always like if people ask me or if they're having an issue with their dilemma, I always say like, will you regret this when you're 55 or when you're 60 or 70? And if the answer is yes, then you need to do it. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your future self to at least try. So if you're looking to tell stories, you're looking to get into acting and you know that it's there and it's burning in you, do it. Just, just jump in head first. Be prepared to make mistakes. Be prepared to look foolish it won't it won't last just do it and and um and focus on the things that matter that's one thing that i've i've kind of figured out in the last 8 years and i have a lot left to figure out when it comes to this but i was always concerned about other people's opinions of me and when i'd get on set if i did something wrong like that person thinks i'm silly or that person thinks i'm an idiot or whatever um but i started just really putting all my effort into thinking like what do my kids think of me what do my best friends think of me what do my parents think of me my ex-wife, the people I care about, if they think like, great job, you good, I'm, I'm proud of you, then what does it matter what this fucking strange person I don't know thinks? Like, maybe I do look like an idiot, but their opinion of me shouldn't matter to me. What should matter is the opinions of the people that I hold the closest. And if they support me, then I can go and make those mistakes. And I know that if I fall, I've, I still have them. And really, that's all that matters in life. So that's kind of what I put all my effort into trying. Like, I, I still can't, like, I still feel that feeling of, like, that person doesn't like me or I look down to that person or that was an awkward situation. I feel weird now. I wish I hadn't talked to that person because I feel silly, whatever. Um, but trying to always remind myself, like, I want to do this. I'll regret it if I don't. Just do it. And if I make a mistake, just think about all the people that care about me that are behind me saying, do it. We love you. Keep working. And that's kind of my advice. We just try to focus on on that and you know, that little voice in your head, your ego saying, no, 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 you can't do this. You know, try to try to silence them. It's harder, easier said than done. But yeah, it's so hard because I think anybody in a performative career, I shouldn't make these broad generalizations. Maybe it's just you and I, <laughs> uh, but uh, people are, like are people pleasers, right? Like because because that's innately why we're telling stories, right? Is to please the people. I remember somebody once told me that like, that's what an actor was like back in the day was like to please the court, like to please the king, right? And you would bow because you were in service to right. the people. And, and so like, of course it hurts when 
even some random on the street is like, that was stupid and I didn't like your your performance. You're like, oh, you broke my heart. <laughs> the king didn't like my show. Like, like it, it's so it's it's so innate in what performance is. But you're right. Like when so much of our industry is rejection, not just from like casting directors, but also from like society. <laughs> like how. I guess that explains the atrophy rate, like how why so many people drop out of this industry. But I guess this is a loaded question. Like how else? I know I love the idea of remembering who's behind you, but do you have any other advice or what has worked for you when that's such a big part of just the world that we're in is the rejection and the the naysayers? I I don't know. You had mentioned like, you know, maybe it's just us. Like, I don't know if it's something that I just – if it's if it, I think when I make when these things happen, these rejections happen, I get in like these weird funks where like I'll get depressed and be like, oh fuck, I want to quit, I just want to quit. But then there's always something there that's like, are you kidding me? You're not gonna quit? You're not a quitter? You can do this? You're gonna quit over this? You little bitch! Like it's almost this voice in my head that's kind of like the the badass is like, don't be a little bitch. Like you can do this. Just who gives a fuck? Just do it. And then you get kind of. For me, I don't know if there's everyone, but I get kind of worked up where I'm like, no, I'm not going to let this. I'm too stubborn to let this thing derail me. I can't now. I won't do it. Um, but I go through the funk right away. And there's been times when I've sat there and like I've my, – my ex-wife is my best friend and I've called her when things have went really – been really bad. And, you know, I'm on the phone like crying basically um, and, and telling her. And then, you know, obviously there's that support of like you can do this. Keep going. And that's great. But in the moment, you're like, nothing you can say is going to change the way I feel right now. I'm so down about what just happened. But there's always like a little voice of like, you're not going to let this stop you. You're not a little bitch. I don't know how else to put it. Maybe I'm just tough on myself or I have that, the, you know, the voice in my head is an asshole. But it's just, I don't know. Don't, I think maybe we all have that. Maybe we don't. But there's, don't have that conversation with yourself. And I think that's a big thing too, is spend time alone, get off your phone, spend time with yourself, ask yourself these questions because that dialogue is important. You know, I might sound like I'm crazy. I have a voice in my head, but we all have that. I think, I hope we all have that voice that kind of, we bounce things off of. And like, it's important to have that dialogue. Now look for external. Sometimes we have to go in and like the validation has to come from within. Cause if it doesn't come from within, it, it won't, it's not as strong. Like we need to love ourselves first. We need to like be proud of ourselves before someone else can be. Because if we're if we're against ourselves, we lose no matter what. So we have to have that that dialogue, I guess. I don't know if that's just a thing for me or if you're like that too, if you have that voice. I agree with you. I think we all do, but we shut it out because I think sometimes it can be it can be I don't want to use the word harsh, but yeah, like somebody saying stop being a little bitch. Right. And if, and if you don't have that innate, like that confidence, or you haven't done that work on yourself, or you haven't spent time with yourself, like you said, hearing that can be like, no, that's (laughs) mean. Right. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to go back on my phone and quiet. Right. But if you listen to it for long enough, again, I'm sure this doesn't work for everyone, but I, it's worked for me and it sounds like it works for you. If you listen to it long enough, that's the empowerment. Like that's the like, yeah. 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 Right. Totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I, if, I, I, again, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're crazy. Good. Thank God. <laughs> I think we all have it. And if, and if we don't, then it's just you and I <laughs> with Let's, our little, like, little voices. Yeah. We'll tap into it, man. It'll be good. You know? Well, and I think it, it, it's all about finding what works for, what works for you. Right. And it's, and again, you don't, you'll never figure that out unless you do spend time with yourself. But if that doesn't work for you and what works for you is, is the scroll on the Instagram and not, not being part of the real world, that's fine too. Right. But I agree with you. I think, yeah, it's funny how the voice of the person in my head is just as aggressive as like random on the street saying you suck. It's like I'm such a competitive person that like, yeah, I'll go through the funk when somebody says like, you suck. But then I'm so competitive with myself being like, I'll show you. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And you, I have to show you now. Like, yep. <laughs> I'm going to do this because I can't go without showing you, you know? 
I have to make this step because I just, I'll regret not doing it. You know, I, I, I think too, like it, it, the personality too is big. Like I was an only child. So I spent a lot of time by myself talking to myself in my own head. So that definitely helped growing up. I already had that basis, that foundation, but there's some people that, that they, they're just not, they're not able to have that dialogue with themselves because of their upbringing or because of what has happened in their life. They just don't know how. And it's not easy to do. It's really, you don't want to really, sometimes you don't want to dig deep because when you start opening doors in your mind, you're like, fuck, I want to leave that closed. Like, I don't want to go down that path. But I think if you want to get to a point where you feel comfortable in front of a camera or where you can you can um, rise up when something goes wrong, you you need to go down those dark paths and like, here's what I've been through. Here's what I've survived I've done all that. I can get through this. Like I, I went through all this stuff that happened in my past and it was really hard and I cried and I, it killed me, but I'm here. So if I can get through that, I can get through someone telling me I suck, you know, it's, but it, I think you need to, you got to visit those um, negative times and look through that cookie jar of wins. Like what can I use here for some sort of confidence? I need it. I'll take it anywhere or from anywhere. I should say, um, I think that's kind of an important thing to do, but again, it depends on personality, right? I was in an acting class recently and the idea of like, I need a thought was what was part of the acting class, right? Like I'm in this emotional scene and I can't quite get myself into it. And the acting teacher was like, I'm going to give you a thought and we'll just say, you know, like think in your head, um, I'm inept, you know, and like, or something like that, like just having a thought coming into your head. And it comes from those past experiences that you can relate to that thought. I'm trying to make sure I'm making sense here. And I think what was very powerful for me was knowing that I've been through stuff, as we all have, but able to bring up those bring up those past experiences, relate them to the thought and give emotion out. But then as soon as the scene was over, have the ability to say, cut. Thought gone. Thought gone. Yeah. Like, is that something that you've had to work on? Like, I know that's part of the vulnerability piece or like, just what are your, what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard like, I, I definitely know that, that how to, like, not, I don't know how to do that, but I've heard of that. The idea of like substitution or like, okay, if I'm, if I lost a, um, a child in this scene, well, now I can think of a thought of like, maybe when my dog was sick and how that made me feel. And then I could use that. But the hard part I think is, especially when you're on set, like people don't realize, but you could be shooting a scene for hours and you could be having to have that thought for hours and then you shoot it once. It's like, okay, we're going to reset the camera for your coverage now. Don't lose that thought, you know, and you got to be able to. So I think, again, it's a balancing act of like having it, being able to tap into it, have it, use it. Okay, cut, let it go. Grab it again, use it, let it go. And and that's kind of a really, oh man, that's the hard part about acting is just being able to stay in that moment and keep that thought for hours sometimes and yeah that's kind of my take on it I guess my thought on that and I think a big part of it is being able to then safely remove yourself from it because I think you know we hear a lot about the types of acting training and how like method acting and stuff like that and and I think that comes I think the ability to kind of take yourself out safely and not fall down into a deep deep spiral that can happen when you're living in vulnerable tricky thoughts for a 12 hour shoot. Mm -hmm. I think at least for me personally, that came with life experience and kind of what what you were saying, you know, like I've been through stuff before and I was able to get out of it. So now I can use this to be in this scene for 12 hours, but then I know how to safely remove myself. Yeah. 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 That's right. Cause you, because you've been in that situation before and you know, like things get better. I can now focus on the good stuff as opposed to those negative thoughts or whatever it was that I'm tapping into. Um, yeah, but that, again, that's the trick, right? Like some people can't, like you look at guys like Heath Ledger who went right down that road. Like I'm going all the way. And then, you know, it went too far and 
it can be dangerous, especially when it's a really tough scene, you know, like just for like a rape scene or something like that, where like you, if, especially if someone's dealing with a memory or some sort of trauma that's connected, it could be very difficult and it could be, yeah, it could be pretty traumatizing to relive that, you know, oh, it's for the art, but no, like my, my soul's hurting now. Like I, I, this was too much. So it's, that's the, that's the hard part of acting, I guess, is to be able to get one foot in, one foot out, right? It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. But it's, it, but it's so rewarding because once you, if you can go there and then get out, the feeling of power that you get from like, I lived it, I got through it, I just gave it to you and I came out of it and I'm, I'm okay now. That's a win. I, you've now, you've now become the domineer, the dominator of that thought, that of that trauma. Like, I own that now. You can't break, this won't break me. I've used it now to my, to my will. So I own it now, which is another part that could be, super healing, you know, depending on the personality or depending on the work they've done, you know? Well, and then that just adds another W to the cookie jar, right? Like not just the acting win, but like the, the person win that that's really interesting. I like that, like having power over. And I remember when, you know, I had an acting class where I had a really intense scene and I like dove into kind of some like sense memory and all that neat stuff. And I remember (laughs) feeling kind of guilty for kind of bringing up some of these things that had happened in my life and using it to further my acting career. (laughs) Being like, uh, but then my acting teacher being like, yeah, but that's your lived experience. I'm like, yeah, but like, how dare I use it to like further my career? She's like, what? How selfish. How selfish. Right. It's almost like it's not fair because like other people don't have that advantage because they don't have the trauma that I'm able to bring up. And she, my acting teacher was just like, oh, Lord. <laughs> You're getting in your own head. Get out of right? your head. Yeah, yeah. It's not fair. Jenny over there. It can't use this tool. She's like, no, like that. It's not like it's a textbook that you've ripped pages out of so that your classmate, you're competing against them. Now your classmate can't read it. That's not how it works. This isn't medical school. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But on the other end too, Jenny has her own, her own things that she could pull from. Maybe this is something that works well for you, but maybe Jenny, it's a different thing. Everyone has a superpower, which is cool because acting like you, you are, you have no, you are an individual. And your your past trauma, your what you do, and the way you think is your tool bag. It's like no one else, which makes it kind of interesting because when you get into an audition and you give them exactly what they're looking for, they're like, "That's we want you, we want that." Most of the time, it's like, "No, we don't want that. Move on. We want something different than you." But you know, it it allows you to have your thing that no one can reproduce. You become so valuable because you are an 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 original. You're unique, you know? Do you have any favorite on-set stories? I don't know, really. Like, when I'm on set, I try to be as as in the scene as I can and as, like... like I, At first, I was I was going to say professional as I could be, but when you're on a, the same set with the same people for three weeks, by the end, you're kind of silly. Like, you know everyone and it becomes kind of fun. Um, so, there was... The one time when I poked Frank Arnault in the eye, that was, like, a traumatizing moment. It was, like, my, my first scene and I had poked the lead and I was like, oh, my God. But looking back, it was kind of funny because it was like, of course, that's going to happen to me. Like, it's me. I'm going to do that. I'm an idiot. Um, but yeah, but there were there were moments on Armchair when when Richard and I would, would just be kind of silly going over lines. And and, and that, that was actually one thing that we did. We would go through lines, but we, would, we wouldn't say them. We would just say the lines however. If I wanted to have an accent, I would. we would just run lines and we would say it however we wanted to just to feel free to just, how does it feel coming out, you know? Um, and that was really fun because it, it kind of took the seriousness out for a minute, but it was almost like a nice little warm up for when I was going to get in the moment, which was cool. Um, but fun moment. I don't think I've been on enough sets to really have like a standout thing. Um, yeah, it was just, just fun to laugh and and spend time with people and like-minded people, you know, whereas like where I'm from, when I go to a job, especially when I was teaching, I always felt like kind of the outsider. I didn't, I didn't fit in with the other teachers. Um, I had friends, of course, and colleagues that I, I enjoyed talking to, but I always felt like I was like one of, uh, I wasn't one of, I was kind of like the, the black sheep of the career, I guess. And being on set, 
you see your people. Like anyone you talk to is like, yeah, I, I play music. I have this pedal. I have that pedal too. Or yeah, I, I would love this series or like, you know, this, everyone there, like the, the sound guy, the, you know, um, the, the people in props, everyone has that same shared kind of love of art, the arts. So you just feel at home, which is something, especially the first, like, you know, 30 years of my life, I never really felt like I was with my people. So having now having that opportunity to be on a set and feel like, oh shit, this is it. Yeah. I feel comfortable. These people are, are um, they're into the same stuff as I am and we could talk about the same stuff. That that feels good. I'm not sure if it's a funny moment, but it's definitely a another something I could put into my cookie jar. Like that's a win. You're in the right place now. You have that feeling. Put that away. Look at that later when you need it. How would your family, your loved ones, those people behind you who are pushing you, how would they describe what you do? I think they think it's a hobby. Yeah. As much as, like, you know, I left for three weeks to go to the Sioux, and I drove back every weekend, and I had to be there at a certain time, and I worked 12-hour days, but I think they still see it as, like, you know, oh, he he does some acting, because I don't teach anymore. Um, that's a whole other story that could take, that's a whole podcast, we can go down that road. Um so, you know, when I was teaching, it was easy to be like, oh, he likes acting. He does that as a side thing. It's like a side gig. But now that I'm not doing anything but music and, and acting, people, I think people aren't, they're like, he's unemployed and he's an artist. But I try to tell them like, no, I'm a full actor member. I have worked on professional pro- projects. I'm an employed actor. Well, not at this moment, but I get auditions. And if I get that audition, which probably <laughs> doesn't happen often, I'll be employed. So I... I think it's hard for anyone though to look at our look at this what we do and and think like oh that's a job because to them and like a job is stable you're always working you have a paycheck coming in every two weeks like clockwork whereas this is like here's a ton of money all at once and now you're not going to work again for months and I mean I don't mind that at all that's nice for me because I don't I like trying different things and doing different stuff but I think for everyone else it's kind of like what exactly is his job? He's just kind of like a, he's waiting. He just, he's a contractor doing a bunch of different little things. Yeah. Is there anything that you are looking forward to coming up? I'm looking forward to 2023 and just, I have a whole plan of things that I want to do for my music. Um, so I, I obviously I, I go by the, the stage name dad bod and I've been releasing music videos and singles for three years now, consistently every couple of months. Um, and I've, taken on this new challenge of like mixing my tunes as well before I would write the songs, produce them and then send all of the stems to be mixed somewhere else. And I kind of decided this year, I'm going to take that on myself and try to learn the ropes of how to be a mix mixing engineer and how to mix a project. Um, so I'm excited to get that out to people. And I think it'll be a different vibe than the other stuff because it'll just be it's completely me getting this this project off the ground and I don't have help from anyone else. Although that's kind of how I prefer to work is collaboratively. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see how much I can learn and how well my mixes are going to be. Um, and I'm also excited to write this script that I'm working on. And, and uh, I've gotten some feedback from a writer that's in the industry already. And he's kind of going to mentor me and help me go draft by draft and build this thing into something that's pitchable, I guess, to a network. So I'm excited to work on that and get that nailed down and get that feedback and, and make myself like a, a legit pilot for a show um, and and just see what kind of auditions come down uh, the pipe and, you know, what kind of projects I could be a part of and what kind of people I can meet. You know, you meet some pretty cool people, especially like when you're into those big productions, you see people that you're like, I've watched you on TV. Like I grew up watching you, you know, I saw three seasons of you. Um, so that's pretty cool. I got to do a scene with Tim Rosen, who's from uh, Shits Creek. He plays Mud Mud Shits. So I was like, I was like, whoa! Like, dude, I saw you on Instant Star, and here I am talking to you about guitars. It's like, what the hell is happening? So that kind of, I'm excited for the possibility of that kind of stuff. And it doesn't even matter if, if there's nothing concrete. It's just I know that like that will happen again. I know it, you know. And I'm excited for that. Do you have any final words of wisdom? Uh, not yet. I'm not old enough to have any words of wisdom. I'm still trying to learn myself. Um, I don't know. I, I think when it comes to this, just do what makes you do what you, that, that voice in your head telling you to do something, 
if you're anything like me, it's not going to quiet down. It's just going to get louder and you're going to have to do more and more to quiet it down and to, to stifle it. Um, just don't just do it. You know, if you love something, go try it. Even if it's going to be uncomfortable at first, just don't live in regret. Don't allow yourself to go down the path of so many other people where you look back when you're in your eighties going, man, I wish. And by then the time is gone. That's it. Time's up. Game's over soon. You know? And I, I like to look at life kind of like a game. I don't know if that's a good thing, but I, I kind of just look at all these little challenges. Like, that's a level. I got to beat that level. Like, if I was playing Mario to get to the, the princess, I got to beat that level. It's not going to be easy. Obviously, it's going to be tough. So I just try to tell myself, like, you beat another level. That was a tough one, you know, and just try to have conversations with yourself and, you know, do whatever you have to do to to get that thing that you're burning to get because... I don't know what it would be like to not to look back and think like I I didn't do it and now I wish I had. It just it would be heartbreaking. Yeah. That's and also that, you know, I have no wisdom and I have a lot to learn and I'm humble and I you know, be humble, be open, be be prepared to make mistakes and learn hard lessons and and uh don't take yourself too seriously and all that good stuff. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Eric, for being my guest this week. Oh, I loved meeting you on set. It was pure joy working with you. You were such a generous scene partner. I cannot wait to see our scene come to life on the big screen. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And I hope you'll join me next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadoer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!